What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. Want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas who is listening here on December the 25th. I'm assuming most of you guys will be listening after the fact, but maybe you're coming home from a holiday event or you're just sitting around want to listen to a podcast. So welcome into the show. We are, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation. I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB, and, of course, at SportsEthos.com. That's where you get all of our great work here, right from the source. Obviously, it's great to be following along on social media and showing support that way, but go to SportsEthos.com. That is where you'll find everything right from where it is posted. Now, I will ask you guys for a small favor here on Christmas whether you're celebrating or not, you could give me a very small present of just leaving a rating or review on the podcast. That would really go a long way into helping more people see the show. We're kind of coming back, and we have been for the last couple of weeks in terms of those of you who are listening to baseball podcasts. You start to see those numbers, the download numbers start to go up and up and up throughout the month of December after you guys kind of go away for a little while. It happens every year. Uh, understandable, of course, there's no baseball on. It's going to be harder to want to listen to baseball stuff unless you're a complete degenerate like us. But now that people are coming back, you can kind of help um, by just leaving one of those ratings or reviews on the podcast. It doesn't have to be a long one. You can just leave the stars. You don't have to write anything in. But you can give me a Christmas present by doing that. It doesn't cost you a thing. It takes just a minute, and I'd really appreciate it. In return, my Christmas present for you today We'll be talking about three players that I love at their current ADP. And this is not going to be the longest show. It is Christmas. It is a holiday. I want to be spending time with family as much as possible, but we're also going to be talking some fantasy baseball here, of course. I'm going to be talking about guys that I have, I've mentioned all of these guys at some point or another in the offseason, but I haven't gone into such depth uh, on them. So we're not going to go too, too deep today because, like I said, it is Christmas, but we are going to talk about these guys and a little bit why I like them. And let's start off with Jose Alvarado. Philadelphia Phillies closer, I say with a question mark. I think that he probably will be the closer. Now, the reason that people are kind of doubting it is because they have a lot of viable options at the back end of their pen. I don't think that there's anybody as viable as Hoskins, but they got Kirkering. They have a couple of pieces like Jeff Hoffman. They have Gregory Soto, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Matt Strom was great in the bullpen role last year as well. So there are people who are kind of worried that, well, Maybe he's not going to be the closer. Maybe I shouldn't be drafting him as such. The skills are absolutely there. I don't want to say unimpeachable because that's maybe too strong of a word to use for Jose Alvarado. But you're looking at great strikeout rates. You're looking at it's typical closer numbers, right? 37% strikeout rate with a 10% walk rate this year. 10% walk rate, you know, you never love to see that. But for a back-end reliever, for a closer type, that's pretty average, especially for a guy who throws as hard as Alvarado. He averaged 98.7 on his fastball this year. He's going to be a little bit wild, and that's okay because he makes up for it with the amount of strikeouts, 37% strikeout rate. It leads to a 26.7% strikeout minus walk rate. He allowed a batting average less than 200 against last year. It was 195, and he had a 174 ERA to go along with some pretty damn strong supporting metrics as well, 234 on the XFIP, 282 on the XERA, and 241 on his FIP. My personal favorite one to look at, Sierra, was 268, which was not as good, obviously, as the 174. You know, it's about a run higher. But again, if your ERA ends up at 268, whether you're a relief pitcher, whoever, it's it's absolutely fine. Now, the question that I think a lot of people are having, and I had this conversation with a few people on Twitter recently, is will he actually have the job? Will he be more of a high-leverage reliever that Philadelphia will turn to when – let's say it's the eighth inning and they're facing two tough lefties coming up 
Are they going to just go to Alvarado there? There's a chance that that happens, but there's a chance that that happens for a lot of different teams, right? It, I, there's only a couple of people in the league that are absolutely exclusive ninth inning, no matter what type of guys. A lot of closers, a lot of pitchers at the you know high leverage guys will be kind of malleable to the situation. Now, I know Josh Hader this year was kind of the poster boy for not going along with that. But there was times when Jordan Romano would come out and pitch in the eighth inning sometimes for the Blue Jays. And there would be times where you'd see it. Uh, I mean, the Blue Jays are the team that I will watch more than the other teams. But you'll see with, you know, with Klasse here and there. You'll see it. I'm not sure what Edwin Diaz's workload is going to look like this year in his first year back. But other high-end closers will sometimes come in in the eighth inning. And it, you might lose the opportunity for a save on that given day if it is the toughest part of the order coming up in the eighth. That being said, I think Alvarado is still the guy that is going to get the majority of the chances. They have these guys like Hoffman, like like Dominguez, like Soto. Alvarado's clearly the best of the bunch. And to not give him the chance would not really make that much sense to me. We saw them with Kimbrough last year. He was the closer. He was predominantly, like while he was there, he was getting pretty much every save opportunity. I don't really see them going away too far from that this year some people that I've talked to disagree with me but I think that Jose Alvarado is going to be the closer in Philadelphia now let's say you disagree that's totally understandable because there are a few options there you can take a couple of these options in your league now I again I know that not a lot of people are playing in the draft champions formats that we talk about we talk about them as though everybody plays in them, but I know realistically most of you probably don't. If you are playing in a draft champions format, it's a perfect spot to draft Alvarado because you can take him at 233. You can take a couple of the guys who are the quote-unquote handcuffs later on in the draft. Kirkering is not going till pick 566. Hoffman at 681. Dominguez at 709. And Soto at 712. So you don't buy into Alvarado in the draft champions. You don't have to fully buy into him. You can take him where he's going, which is 223, which, by the way, is well, well after a lot of the other closers. Pretty much every other mainstream closer in baseball is going. And you can take him there, and you might actually just have your closer secured from that spot. You can also take the guys that are going later on, and then you have three or four Phillies bullpen arms, which might not be perfect situation. But again, if you're speculating for saves in the draft champions format, a lot of people are going to push up closers in those formats because there's no waiver wire moves. You'll take a second-round Klasse. You'll take a second-round Hader or Diaz because, you know, you're getting 30-some-odd saves out of those guys, and you're not going to be able to replicate it anywhere down the line, really. But there are some situations where you can. It doesn't matter if you're taking up three roster spots because in the draft champions, in my opinion, and I don't have the most experience with the format, you're not going to use probably, I don't know, 10 of those guys on your roster if you're real desperate, you might have to go through every single player on your roster. I mean, I'm praying for you guys that that doesn't happen to you this year. But in all honesty, you're not using all 50 of the players you draft likely. If you have to burn one spot on a Kirkering or a Hoffman to make you feel better about that Alvar- uh, about the Alvarado pick a little bit earlier on, that's totally fine with me. I have no problem at all with making a couple of those Philly picks. And then, you know, even if it's only one that pans out, you've got yourself a closer past pick 200 and most everybody else in your league is likely paying top 50 or top 100 at worst ADP prices for these guys so that is where it really comes down to it with Alvarado he's cheaper than the other guys and the skills are pretty much the same as what you're seeing from a lot of these high leverage closers around baseball so I am a big fan of Alvarado after pick 200 I don't really think you can go too wrong there Let's move on and talk about the number two ADP Christmas present today and that is Ryan McMahon 
Ryan McMahon is somebody that I mentioned a couple of times, but we're talking more than a month ago now. He was in our third base review, and he was also in our second base review, if memory serves. He mostly played third last year, 130 games, but he also got in 22 appearances at second base. What it really comes down to with Ryan McMahon is a few things. The consistency is honestly ridiculous with him at this point in that every year you know what you're getting out of him. And you go, and I've done this before, so forgive me if you were there for the third base review when I talked about this, but Ryan McMahon in each of the last four full seasons, forget 2020, only 52 games is not much you can really read into there, but the last four full seasons, McMahon has gone 24, 23, 20, and 23 homers. You know you're getting between 20 and 25 dingers, right? Maybe it's 19, maybe it's 26, but you're getting in that range for sure, right? Games played, 141, 151, 153, 152. Very consistently on the field as well. The run total has been 70, 80, 67, and 80. Again, very consistently within that range, you know you're getting between 70 and 80 runs, essentially. And then the RBI, 83, 86, 67, and 70. The category for him with the most variance there, and it's not something that you can really control. It's just a matter of the environment around you, the team that is on the field around you who's playing that day, our guy is going to be able to be driven in. But still, you're looking at probably between 70 and 85. Call it 65 to 85 RBI, and I think 65 is probably undershooting it because he hasn't gone that low, right? But being conservative, let's call it 65 to 85 RBI. Batting average-wise, we're looking at 250, 254, 246, and 240. So again, he's not blowing you away. He's not a guy that you're drafting with that, like, oh, he might be a first-rounder. Like, not even close, not even remotely close. But you're getting a guy that is very consistent, and I haven't even gotten to the steals yet. The last four years are five, six, seven, and five. So you know you're getting 20 homers, you're getting 70, 80 runs, you're getting 70, 80 ribbies, five to seven steals out of your third baseman, which is not exactly the most commonplace. You're not seeing that all the time, and you're getting a fairly decent batting average of about 250. It all sounds pretty boring, right? It doesn't sound like, well, I mean, you know, it's okay, but it's not anything crazy. Brian McMahon's not going until pick 226 on average. Even if you are in a 15-team league, that's around 15. You're getting a guy who's going to play every single day in a good ballpark for a team that's admittedly not great, but it hasn't really held him back, right? 80 and 70 runs in RBIs this year for a shit team. At that point, you're getting one run or RBI on average per game for McMahon. 150 runs in RBIs, 152 games. I think that that's really valuable in whatever format you're playing in. You don't have to take a third baseman incredibly high up this year. I mean, you can, right? We've talked a lot last week and in the previous weeks about the different strategies you can implement. Draft a first baseman in the first round. Draft a pitcher in the first round. Draft whatever, whoever. You don't need to be reaching for a third baseman. When there's a guy like McMahon, you can get in round, you know, let's say you don't want to wait and risk losing him. Go in round 14. You take him a pick 209 or something. I think that's still really good value considering what he gives you and considering how consistent that is year in and year out, there's something to be said, and I've, I've said this a lot this offseason, about these boring guys that no one really cares about who are just giving you really good numbers. You know, If you're on looking on the waiver wire, and let's say it's a guy who gets called up, you know, not the first week, but the first few weeks of the season, there's a guy who gets called up, he's a big prospect, whoever it is. Let's say it's Manzardo or somebody like that. If they hit 23 homers, drive in 80, hit 250, steal a few bases for you, that's like a best-case scenario, right? You're already getting that with a guy like McMahon later on in the draft. And maybe you'd say, oh, I think Manzardo can hit 30. It's, I'm not using him as a specific example. I am just saying 
that, well, I did use him as a specific example, but I don't mean to just pigeonhole it into him. I mean any guy that you're going to be sh- taking a shot on on the waiver wire or using your fab on, whatever your format, your system is, you're kind of hoping for this kind of production. And this kind of production exists out there. It's just not from the names that you want it to come from, right? You can replicate Ellie De La Cruz's production to some extent if you take certain other players that you don't have to spend a second-round pick on. So that's where the value comes from for me and a guy like McMahon. is not necessarily thinking like, oh, there's a potential for more. There's a potential for 35 bombs this year. He might score 100. Like, it's not even that. You don't need that. If you get that, it'd be great. But you're okay with the consistent production that he's given you these last five seasons. He's going to be on the field. He's a great defender. He does everything for you, really. And defense is an overlooked part of fantasy. A guy who plays good defense, like McMahon, he's going to be on the field, and he has. He's missed a total of like 30 games in the last three seasons for a reason. He's healthy. He's good to go. And I think that he is a great pick well beyond pick 200. Let's talk about our last Christmas present here. And that's Tyler O'Neill. We have mentioned Tyler O'Neill a little bit when he first uh, was traded. But honestly, I don't think we've even really like given him his due here, right? So th- there's a lot to unpack with Tyler O'Neill. St. Louis, when he was healthy this year, there was times when he was sitting out quite a bit. And I think it was because, in all honesty, the manager, Ollie Marmold, did not like him. They had some kind of personal problem. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but... Marmol was not somebody who seemed to get along very well with players individually. Like Wilson Contreras, there was some stuff. There was a pitcher that I can't think of off the top of my head now that there was some problems with as well. And there was Tyler O'Neill. So I think that he is in such a better place now being in literally any of the other 29 organizations. You could have said that he was traded to Washington, that he was traded to Pittsburgh, Oakland. It wouldn't have mattered. He needed to get out of St. Louis to be able to kind of get a new start on his career. Because we've seen as recently as 2021, a year where he had 34 homers, stole 15 bases, and batted 286. Since that season, where he hasn't been healthy, granted, 96 games in 22, 72 games this past season, but we've seen the skills actually improve, despite the actual production and playing time haven't been there. The walk rate has gone up every year. The strikeout rate has gone down every year. Now, again, he hasn't been on the field enough for us to really make a judgment on what he can be yet. He's still a 28-year-old kid who is strong as a bull. He plays great defense. He's got a couple of gold gloves already, and we've seen a 30-15 season from him, nearly a 35-15, with a close to a 300 batting average. He is now in a good hitting environment for a team that I think is comparable offensively. It's not a huge difference, in my opinion. St. Louis is probably a touch better, but again, it doesn't matter if they're much better. If you're not playing, you're not playing. He's in a situation where he's going to be playing probably middle-of-the-order bat, and I think that Tyler O'Neill could be somebody that goes way through these projections for him, which the projections are already pretty damn good. 125 games, they're calling for 21-12 and 12 with a 250 batting average. If you're getting that past pick 200 and like pretty far beyond pick 200, I think that you're going to get yourself an absolute steal in Tyler O'Neill. He is going in that range where it's kind of like the last round, last two rounds of your 12-teamers. And again, if he doesn't pan out, if he's still not good, he's still not healthy, you can drop him. That's the range where he's going. 278 is the ADP with a minimum of 184, max of 376. Now, the price is generally going to go up a little bit now that we think he has more of a regular role, but it's still reasonable. It's not going to go inside the top 200. There's not going to be that kind of hype around him. You're going to get him like pick 220, 230 probably at the highest. You know, he's not going to be a top 200 guy. I'd be shocked if he is. 220, 230, even if it's 250, anywhere in that range, 
is a very good price to pay for somebody with the skill set, and it looks like the role now to be able to actually thrive. So I'm taking Tyler O'Neill pretty much every draft I'm going to be doing going forward, it's assuming the price doesn't move too much, which I don't think that it really will at this point. But that'll do it for us, guys. Like I said, a bit of a shorter show. These are my Christmas presents to you. Jose Alvarado, I think, is probably the big one. I love him the most on this list, but McMahon and O'Neill, all these guys are going to be mainstays on a lot of my teams this year. But that will do it, of course. Merry Christmas to everybody. If you celebrate, happy holidays to the rest. If you guys want to go ahead and check us out over on Twitter, at showorico 99 at ethosfantasybb and sportsethos.com. That is where you can check it out. But until tomorrow, we'll get back to pitcher rankings. Until then, take care, have a great night, and cheers, everybody.